in three, two, one, go. Computer science to me is networking with cool and smart people. Games. College. Innovation. Bitconnect. Data structures and algorithms. Creativity. The lifestyle. Fixing bugs. Data. Discrete math. Opportunity, diversity, and hope. Computer science is the future. All right, welcome to the third episode of Third Floor Hairspray. Um, in this episode, we have two very special guests. We have Andrew and Imran joining us from CU Hacking. All right, how about you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, I'll go first. Name starts with A. I'm Andrew. I'm one of the co-leads at CU Hacking. It's my third year on the team this year. Uh, yeah, I'm a second year, or I guess going into third year, computer science student at Carleton. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Imran Juma. I am the other co-lead of CU Hacking. Uh, I'm in my technically fifth year of computer science here at Carleton, um, and this is also my uh, third year with CEO Hacking. Very cool, very cool. Now, Andrew is also a mentor at the Science Science Student Success Center, so I've also met him that way, and Imran is a good friend of mine. Um, all right, so how did you guys get into CS, into computer science? If you want to start you first, Andrew. Sorry? How did you, how how did you get into CS at first? How did I get into it? Um... That's a good question. I started in grade 10, I believe. So my dad worked as a, like a IT guy, you know, programmer at Stats Canada for his whole life. Yep. So he's been a pretty big tech influence on me. So he sort of got me interested in taking a grade 10 programming course, then went from there, just did one course and then did it every year since then and really enjoyed it. And that right. brought me to Carleton. What about you, Imran? Uh, so I think I actually followed a very similar path uh, to Andrew, um, except with a lot of parental influence. Um, everybody in my family uh, is actually engineers. Um, so there was a lot of that influence in the beginning. Uh, and then as well in high school, I took a few computer science courses. Uh, and so then it kind of just made sense to when I went to university with my dad working at Carleton in engineering, might as well go to Carleton for computer science. Uh, so that, that's basically how I got in. Cool. Cool. Very cool. All right, so let's let's jump into CU Hacking. So, what is CU Hacking? If if you were to explain it to someone, so CU Hacking is uh, this really good twenty-four hour. Uh, the way I have to explain it is it's a twenty-four hour challenge where a bunch of students get together, um, and there are various different things that we have throughout the day. So, things like workshops, there are talks, um, there are like networking events, uh, and the overall goal is that you kind of build something from scratch. Uh, and th those, whatever you build is kind of associated with a different challenge that you'll follow. Um, and then I think a lot of students end up meeting really cool new people uh, and going from there. Right. Yeah. So especially with this year, everything being digital, it's going to be weird for a hackathon group to keep finding momentum in this, right? Considering we're right, not going to yeah. be able to meet with hundreds of people at a time on a weekend. So we're going to find ways to enable people in the you know tech interest field at Carleton yeah. to keep pursuing stuff and finding new opportunities that they only get at events like a hackathon. Yeah, I'm guessing. And, and also, CU Hacking this year, it's uh, it's evolving into something more than just an event, right? From um, from uh, so, for, so for those that don't know, I'm also part of the team I'm designer at CU Hacking too. So I'm involved with everything that's going on. And um, so can you guys tell us more about it, about what's happening with CU Hacking, how it's changing from an event to, um, to sort of an organization? Yeah, sure. So yeah, again, like you mentioned, we're taking this hackathon which has been around for about i guess yeah four years we've had the annual event right? yeah. yeah i believe so i was still in grade 11 at that point <laughs> um 
Yeah, so we're taking it as a step away from just being one main event all year round to a organization at Carleton that does more than just is known for more than just one thing, right? We want to fill the gap between all the different STEM and tech fields at Carleton. So connecting all the computer science, engineering, business design, you know, bit students, everything, everyone from all those backgrounds, we're trying to yeah. be an organization where they can go to our events and use our resources to further their education and networking opportunities. So we're planning on doing a lot of stuff. There's more ways of helping students, uh, like by making CU Hacking a large organization, especially in this time, right? Since we just can't have that main event in a happening January. So is there any hackathons you've guys done before you've tried CU Hacking? Like any any hackathons that... Sorry? Is there any hackathons that you've like participated in before deciding to try to like build a hackathon, I guess? Like anything that influenced, any hackathons that influenced you? To like try to make your own hackathon? Um, I was thinking my first experience with the hackathon is actually pretty backwards compared to what you see now with hackathons or what you've I guess always seen in more of a university place. My first hackathon was called Hacking Health. It took place at Shopify in Ottawa. And it was a professional hackathon, that's for sure. It wasn't overnight. It had an entry fee. And it was yeah, you actually get sleep, little, right? <laughs> yeah, with a lot of professionals and you got sleep, right? So my idea of a hackathon was different coming into my first year of CU Hacking, but quickly learned the difference between, you know, corporate versus student and university run hackathon. And also, yeah, last year in 2019, I went to Hack the North in Waterloo, which was pretty crazy weekend. And they're, a, they're an awesome hackathon, one of the biggest in the world. So it's right. very easy hackathon to get inspiration from. Yeah. What about you, Emran? My, uh, so my very first hackathon was actually CU Hacking at Carleton. Um, and this was back when, like, uh, Elisa Kazan was, like, still leading CU Hacking, you know. And th I think this was in the very beginning when, like, uh, this had just started, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of just really inspired me to keep going to events. They, I think the, the best part of it was, like, CU Hacking at that time was super open. Like, anyone could join. Anyone could go. And, like, even if you didn't have, like, a team, like, so many people were, like, willing to take you. And then so I kind of I went to that very first hackathon. And then after that, I was asked, like, oh, do you want to volunteer? Like, do you want to help us out with next year's event? So then this is how it, the ball just kept on rolling. But I think my my very first year hacking experience was, like, it was really good, especially being computer science, where, like, so we, first of all, we have, like, so many students, but, like, it's a very, like, clicky program. Everyone hangs out with, like, their own little group. So it was nice to meet so many people during that first day. And, like, that really inspired the rest of, like, my university degree because that opened up, like, more social groups. Like, literally right. through CU Hacking is basically how I met Omar. And then last year we ended up hanging out so much and then now see you hacking again, you know, so. Yeah, and I think going back to that point, back in, see so hacking started in a very different way. I think it was originally the engineering faculty that first started see hacking back in 2017, from what I remember. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, and I think we're trying to get into this transition where like we're opening up see hacking. No, sorry, we're not saying we're not. Sorry, not to say that we're opening up, but like we're trying to leverage like our CU hacking platform to allow more than just computer science and engineering students, especially when we look at certain things like the team, um, the team that organizes the whole event. Like we're really trying to di diversify there. So it's it's uh, it's one of those good ways just to meet new people, especially in university. So let's try to bring some numbers as to what happened this year. So how, how many this year we had? Uh, was it? More than 600 people that came to the event, right, Andrew? Uh, 606 registrations. And, you know, that's a pretty large number. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we had, <laughs> often you'll see with the hackathon is your, 
the like your ability to have people stay for more than a few hours is pretty bad. But luckily, by yeah. the second day of our event on the Sunday, we still had about three hundred people check in for the lunch. So, if if you guys listening haven't gone to see hacking in twenty twenty, uh, we had a mobile app that re- registrants used to act as sort of their passport for the whole event. So when they were to go to get food or go to a workshop, they would sign in on an app. So it made us know who is you know, registered and there for the event and also made it very easy for us to track the numbers of that. So we can see what went well and what didn't go so well. So it's a good tool to have. Yeah, that definitely that definitely streamlined the entire process for like checking in and getting your food and everything, right? It made it really easy. So if, if, we, if we go into sort of like what it goes into organizing a hackathon, I feel like um, I feel like many times a lot of people don't realize all the work that goes throughout the entire year, and especially though that last two three months, right, uh, before the hackathon happens. And especially one of the things that I want to ask you about is like the sponsorship, right? How um, how how difficult is it to get sponsors from? Um, I think Andrew, you were in the team. Um, you were in the team last year, right? Like not 2020, but 2019 as well. Yeah, I was. I joined. I was in the first year at that point. I joined in November actually, and helped out with sponsorship and more of a partnership role. So I helped actually communicate with the sponsors we had and gave them the information they needed for the event. So the sponsorship team could yeah, focus all their energy on getting more deals finished so we could actually host the event. So like how, how difficult would you say is getting sponsors for a hackathon? Like what, what goes into getting, what goes from like first sending that email to a company to getting them to sign the, we're going to give you guys $2,000. Like what, how, how does it work? Yeah, so um, I think like one of the one of the biggest steps, or like let's just say like we start in the beginning of like when you look at your sponsorship team, right? Um, I think one of the really good strategies that they have is they first look at like who's on the team and also like where they're working because I think one of the really good things that we have is like internal referrals. There's so many people on the team who have gotten like their workplace or like their manager or like their co-op in on like joining CU Hacking or being a part of CU Hacking. And that's really helped us leverage the amount of sponsors that we had. I think if we look back at like last year, we had something like over like Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, like 18 or like 20 different sponsors. Um, different from like the actual sponsors that showed up. But if yeah. you look at the uh, the amount of sponsors that actually like provided merch for the event, like re- whether it was like support, software, physical prizes, like whatever they were offering, there were so many different partners that we had. But when we but when we look at that scale, I think the outreach of the of the original team is where it actually like begin that that drawing map. And I think one of the really good tools that they used in previous years was like they look at things like the I don't know if you guys have seen there's like that Canada tech sector yeah, yeah. and there's that whole map and you can see all the different companies. And I remember this was like two CU hacking like two CU hackings ago. This was like when I first started and they literally got everyone on the team and they just kind of divvied up that whole list and just mass emails, like, you know, everyone just to see like who would be interested. And that's, you know what, that's one of the ways that CU Hacking has so many sponsors, right? There was really a time when we were just reaching out to everybody and there's still a time when we're still, we're still reaching out to everybody. But during that first wave is like how we, I think how we really gained yeah. a lot of our traction. No, and, and I think, and I think uh, sort of like the sponsorship team in, in every hackathon has a very, very important role, right? Because Everything that you do uh, with the event depends pretty much on how much money you can get with during that sponsorship period, right? And uh, it, it's also sort of Absolutely. tricky to like, because you know when you talk to sponsors, um, you promise them sort of an event, right? Um, but yeah, you know that in order, you, you know that in order for you to give them that event, you need their money, right? So it's like yeah. I'm promising you something that I, that we can accomplish with you, <laughs> and like it's uh it's sort of, it's sort of exactly. tricky it's- to like. 
um, get them to like join you. Um, well, at the same time, you're trying to get everyone else mm-hmm. to join you because if no one joins you, then you don't have that that event. You don't have the promise, right? So it's, it's very exactly. It's one of those things that work like directly hand in hand with each other. And I think like with the sponsorship team, like one of the things that you look at is they're they're excellent at everything the way they do, and like even the way they communicate. Like I think last year we had like uh, Martello, who's like one of our sponsors, yeah. and they wanted to work with us like consistently, like every week they wanted to have these like weekly meetings or they wanted us to provide updates, you know? And because of our sponsorship team and because of like Rico and all the other people we had on this team last year, all that worked out so well. And we were glad to have them sponsor because they contribute quite a bit of money to CU Hacking. I'll just finish up a point there. One thing that's interesting with sponsorship in terms of actually organizing a hackathon, is just the perspective it, changes about what the actual event is going to be because yeah there are two main things to consider when hosting an event right you want the people that are going to have a good experience and enjoy building a project meeting new people learn new skills and also networking with you know people that can potentially be future employers but then also on the organizing side which is a really big part of it and another aspect to look at it is satisfying the sponsors right we're our event, we had about yeah, around 20 partners and sponsors last year. And the majority of those do come from the Ottawa tech industry. So that's a lucky position that we're in to have such a large you know, industry right at our fingertips in Ottawa because they recruit a lot of local students. So it's very much a relationship between our school and the companies and also the school and the students because we put them together and create a new networking opportunity for a lot of students. So that's where a lot of the effort of our sponsorship team comes in, right? So there's a sure. sponsorship team that would deal with all that and making sure sponsors are happy and we have those connections that people need and want to have with their event. Then also on the other side of the organization, we have people that are sort of just entirely focused on planning the event and creating a good experience around the, you know, all the activities as a whole. So it's really interesting to plan because there's two very different perspectives of the same event going on at the same time. Like it's also it's also sort of tricky because I feel like um, I mean I don't know specifically but I feel like as you get more and more sponsors you also sort of like um, every year and year you have to also like elevate sort of like the standards of like what happens in the hackathon right because I feel like in order to get some of the bigger companies outside of the region right you have to have that sort of reputation if uh, if I'm correct right so I feel like eventually if you have sort of like two or three years of getting having a better and better hackathon and one year you sort of like flop or something goes wrong. That could that could eventually like throw you backwards, right? I'm not I'm not sure if, if that would be a, how it worked, Andrew. But yeah, I, I think like making sure that the sponsors have like a even better year than the previous year that they had is a really important thing. But I think also like one of the really big challenges that I think all sponsorship teams see, no matter what hackathon, you know, mm-hmm. is sponsors is sponsors dropping out, you know. And it's it's one thing when like sponsors commit and they they, they want to attend the event, you know. And things always happen, you know, like the company gets busy, they over, like they over uh, kind of estimated how much they'd be able to spend that year. Or even they, they, they thought this is something they'd be able to attend and like something happened last minute, they couldn't. And I know like multiple years when we were supposed to have like really big sponsors, like the deal just didn't work out. And that's one of the really good things about our sponsorship team is that like, no matter how many sponsors we've, we've ever lost, you know, over time, they've always been able to like, just kind of put themselves back on the horse and just get even more sponsors. There's been so many times when I think like, even last year, there was a time when like, 
uh, the event like was so close to like not being able to have enough money and like even nick yeah. stayed up like literally all night trying to get as many sponsors as he yeah. could and he pulled it off and got it right so i think that's one of the biggest challenges is like staying motivated to get more sponsors or showing ways that like okay you know i know you guys sponsored us last year and i know you're gonna sponsor us again but we're gonna make mm-hmm. sure this year is an even better experience than last year especially when we're dealing with like so many sponsors like you said before yeah, I know. Sh- shout out to uh, Nick Kassan, by the way. He's a director of sponsorship at Siaki. Right. And one, one, another thing that I want to touch on, like, what would you say was, like, the biggest success uh, of this year's event? Uh, both of you, Andrew and Emre. Uh, that's a great question. There's a lot of stuff that happened with the event. I remember distinctly, you know, getting there at 7 a.m. and setting up for the crazy day and, you know, not being surprisingly not being overwhelmed with the registration considering how smoothly yeah. it was going. And I just remember uh, doing the opening ceremonies, talking in front for that amount of time, and then meeting with everyone after and quickly realizing that we had over, like over 100 more people show up than we anticipated and sort of right. planned for. So initially that was, you know, pretty scary, right? That's a lot of people over what you're planning for to actually account for considering we've never even been anywhere near those numbers no but, and i feel like yeah. um and i feel like when you have those numbers it really it, it doesn't really show you the significance of like or like the impact of what you've done like 600 and uh, 500 or 600 in, in paper like in the computer looks different i think when you're standing there right yeah exactly yeah, like there's not enough room to <laughs> not enough room for everyone to sit down and so I think, gonna kick us out. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest thing with the hackathon was probably just I was happy with how well it went and how well the activities and all the events went and how the interest was throughout the entire event. Yeah. It's easy to have a, a hackathon where a bunch of people show up, they get all the contact cards of the sponsors, you know, set themselves up for a co-op job at some point and then leave because that's all they want to get. But I think our job this year was done very well at keeping people interested and there the entire weekend partially because it was the first weekend of school so people didn't have midterms and that stuff to deal with but i think our biggest success was the retainment and actually how much people were engaged with what we put on this year do you think there's anything different that caused that to happen besides uh it being the first uh week of school uh it's a good point so definitely the first week of school helped we also ran our first bus we've ever done so we had a bus from toronto that brought about 50 or so people which was a guaranteed 50 people that also helped our engagement from out of town (laughs) and also uh we did a pretty good job at marketing it this year and i think especially with the list of different companies that were going to be there that brings a lot of people and we had a lot of distinct events at our hackathon this year that really had it stick out from others so i think people saw the novelty of that and we're really excited to try it out so i think uh i'm going to touch on two really good things that i thought were or three actually that i thought were like phenomenal at last year's event that really like you know stepped up the level at CEO hacking was and i think first uh I'll start off with as part of what andrew talked about was the app you know um i think that CEO hacking one of the biggest like troubles we've had so far is just kind of getting people registered getting their shirts getting their bag and then getting them upstairs uh, if uh, people who know who've been to CEO Hacking, we have the event in Richcraft Hall. You enter through the bottom, or what we know as River Building. You know, you enter through the bottom side, and then you go straight upstairs. And you know what? There were so many people to process. And with the app that Wall and his whole dev team had created, you literally just got to scan and go. And it was yeah, such like was, a seamless uh, process. There was no line at the event, was, huh? like at all. I exactly. Think. It, it it literally felt like you know, it was like Amazon Prime. Like you just you get it right away. You know. Um, so the second thing I I really want to touch on 
um, was the bus. You know, this was the first year that we ever sent a bus from to, to another city. And first of all, organizing something like the pickup of the bus was a huge logistical thing. I think the original location point that we set the pickup to be was like, uh, I think in uh, Union Station. And like that whole area is super busy, but somehow like the... Like it's, it's it's a huge area, right? And we were all like, "Wait, what? It's, huge, it's massive." Are you yeah. Go to Union Station just to find a bus. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, what? We, we had this really nice volunteer from Toronto, and he was he was our bus volunteer. And he, you know, what? he managed to get everyone together. He put them all on the bus on the way back. He took them all, and you know, that was just seamless process. And the thing is, he was just like a volunteer. He even paid to put himself on the bus, and we gave him his refund yeah. after. He was so nice about everything, and I think that was a fun. And that's something that we want to continue that momentum in for the next year. We like, oh, like this year, obviously because of coronavirus, we can't take a bus, right? But as you hacking continues, it's it's a really good thing. We had so many people that even after like the bus had sold out, I think it sold out in like four days. After that, like there I were more people on, that yeah. really wanted to jump on. Yeah. And I, I think the last thing that I just want to touch on was the Excalibur challenge. I think that and the whole team that put together that through Sue Hacking was really good because it really added before, something new uh, and something different. And like, I also think that, can you explain the Excalibur challenge to those that don't know what it was? I'll explain a little bit. And I'll let Andrew also because yeah, I know you had a really big part in it. Um, and basically, like in summary, was there, there were a bunch of these trivia challenges. Some were related to math, some were related to science. You know, there were all, all different scopes, and you answered a bunch of these like almost like riddles, right? And it would put you on to the next challenge, and the next one, and the next one. And eventually, you you were able to get this really big prize where you pull out a sword. And there was this huge ceremony and like what i think one of the things that i absolutely love about it and this was the biggest part that resonated with me is that you get a lot of people that come to see you hacking that actually like this is their first hackathon and like maybe their coding skills aren't like fully there yet or maybe their dev skills aren't fully there or they're like their networking skills aren't fully there yet but this gave them something else to do at the hackathon yeah. and i think that just made it that really that much better and i think that winning team that won they were in second year or third year but i remember seeing that guy he was all over the campus. He was doing all, all those challenges. And even when he got stuck, he just kept on going. And yeah, he kept no, on no, asking and, uh, his friends. I remember uh, for friends that I had at the hack. The Cypher. Toronto, where, uh, where it were like messaging me all the time, like, Omar, please give us a hint. Please give us a hint. And I was like, exactly. like I really don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know the answers. You know, we it, it was it was held so tight. Like, no one gave out any clues. And I remember that Cypher at the end was super hard. And, you know, the whole team that got it, big shout out to them again. It was this massive challenge, and I think that really put like the cherry on top of you hacking. It prize? made it that much more fun. The, the prize was fairly big, right? So, it was a thirteen hundred. The, the, the prize was it was it was huge. So I, I don't remember the exact dollar value of it, but I know there was uh, there were three team members in this winning one, but there could have been there could have been four. There was yeah. a cash prize that was uh, that was like kind of like CU hacking's part in it, right? So that was split between the the team um, from EA. They got to choose each. I think like two games. Uh, or one game, and then as well, there were some, uh, there were some like online, uh, not gift cards, but like like those voucher cards for some software. Uh, they got a bunch of merch from uh, uh, Major Hacking League, uh, and then Andrew, maybe there was a few other things that I'm missing. I think there was like a headset as well that uh, each person got, and a gaming mouse from Razer uh, or Logitech. So there, there were so many of that. No, remember when we took the picture of uh, or whoever took the picture of the team carrying all the prize? It was like it was a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it was jo I think Jonah got that picture and like, you know, there was so much prize and it was really good because we had two like two major prizes that you could basically win. There was Excalibur that came with all of that. And then as well, RBC brought in their own like gift card prizes. I think Ross Video had brought in like Sonos's like this year for CU Hacking, we had so many prizes that like literally you could have picked any challenge and like it, it, there was a win win for, for everyone. So I think it was it was great uh, on that end. 
I think picking prizes is a big, big, big part of sea hockey. It's like it's kind of pretty hard. You talked about uh, MLH and you had some uh, swag and gear from MLH. How was it like dealing with MLH and using them? Because almost every hackathon that I've seen, they end up using MLH. So, like, what was your experience with uh, MLH and just in general? So, uh, dealing with uh, MLH is uh, they're really good, and I I think one of the one of the things that personally I'd like to see change would be like every time we have a CU hacking event, we've always had like a different person that shows up to the event. Sometimes the people that we talk to through email are like more or less consistent. You have those people who are like part of like the, maybe like the Ontario branch or whatever, who we're speaking to, but they're always super, super good to deal with. I'm, I remember even like there was one time when we were a little bit short on like the food and we, we weren't really sure what to do. And I remember it was me and Caleb and we, we went up to him and he was like, listen, like here's how you can solve this problem. And from a funding perspective, if you guys like, you know, if, if it's kind of kind of coming a little bit tight, we'll help you guys out with it. So I think um, from that perspective, it was a super, super good working with them. They're really helpful. And I even remember that day, like in the beginning, like it was raining or something. It was some storm and they parked literally outside of Richcraft Hall and walked in the rain with their with their hardware lab kits, you know, to the front doors. And they came and like they're super dedicated people. They're awesome people to work with. So I, I think it's something we'll always continue working with them. I've been I've been to a lot I've been to like a lot of hackathons and in every single one of them the MLH representative he's always like super energized you know like always there to help you if you have any yeah. questions and stuff. But I mean in in regards to the actual MLH um, organization, um, and Andrew maybe you can talk a little bit about this. Are there any sort of like difficulties that like MLH has to like has to like uh, that push you through it in order to get their sponsorship officially? Uh that's a good. Good question. Um, MLH, for those of you who might not know what that is, it stands for Major League Hacking. They're sort of like the governing body of hackathons. Not even they. Yeah, they have a hackathon season every year where they essentially just are support for schools and different groups that want to throw a hackathon or like host a hackathon, I guess. Um, so they have a large, like a huge amount of resources available for anyone that wants to host these, and they're always able to help you out with questions that you have. So um, like working with them is pretty great. Um, on their end of things, there are a lot of challenges that <laughs> they definitely face. The interesting thing is you might sort of see them as just like a North American entity, but the yep. more you look into them, they're involved interna- internationally in events like these, like the local Hack Day events that they host, their Slack channel on the day of, there were people posting pictures from hosting this local Hack Day event all over the world. There are people in Africa, India, China, Europe, North America, all over that were hosting these events. So they're a very small organization, but they're tasked with so many different student initiatives. And yeah, they do a lot of good stuff. But in terms of challenges that we face working with them, there's really not much because they are essentially just like a insurance for us and help us deal with any problems like on the day of they helped us through these because yeah they see hundreds of hackathons every year and they know right. they know a lot more than we ever do about them no especially i think in regards to attending um they do they do suggest that you sort of like how do you deal with attending like how many people you should accept in order to how many people you want to get right and those are things that i feel like if without the without their guidance you wouldn't really know right how yeah exactly they're uh, yeah they're pretty they're pretty good with giving us clear guidelines I think one thing that people don't expect with a hackathon is how much money it actually costs to host. Like, uh, it's it's not cheap. It depends on what school and where you're actually hosting it and what the rules are with that. 
and how much yeah. different places help you out. But you know, buying food for 600 plus people can cost thousands of dollars per meal, right? So our total operating cost was well in the multiples of tens of thousands of dollars, right? Without going into any detail. But so there's a lot of information that they have about cost and budgeting and sponsorship stuff that they know to help us out with. So if they see a first time hackathon saying, yeah, we're going to aim for 700 people, three day event. And they're like they're, that, that yeah. is, that is basically like, that is a moonshot for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll tell them, they'll help you guys find the realistic expectations to hit. And then if you feel like still reaching past it, they'll give you the resources to actually be able to do it. And they're very good with helping with sponsorship stuff. They have a lot of peer groups that meet online and yeah. different people from different organizations can share tips on how they go with sponsorship. Because for us in Ottawa, pretty straightforward because there's a ton of companies, but imagine being you know, a, a school in London, Ontario, or anywhere else in the States that doesn't have a large industry with them. It's difficult to find that. So they're- No, and I feel like if, if you're like in a, Sort of in a rural area, yeah. Like you have, uh, you need more assistance to bring all those sponsors to your event, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on another topic, um, I know that uh, we had some difficulties dealing with Carl University as a school, sort of like supporting CU Hacking and the event, the venue, the food. Is there anything that you would like to talk, like, to, to discuss about that? Like how how those difficulties sort of like worked and what what sort of like not not as in like what went wrong necessarily but how do you think that carlton could be sort of like more i i don't i don't see supportive but like if they like if they get really get how many people we bring to the university every year right how they could help us like sort of like achieve more yeah. every year you know um this is a question i'd love to tackle you know um i think if, if there's one way that carlton could really help out see hacking you know or just all clubs in general you know would be the the contracts that they have with food distribution, you know, and I don't want to get into like too much about that, you know, because that's going to take away. But basically, it's it's a huge roadblock. And like when I say huge, we're talking like mega speed bump, right? And it, it's like to, to be honest, like quite quite frankly, and uh, to put it in the nicest words, mm. like it is super hard for a student club working to help a university. You know, and then the university gives us yeah. so much like like backlog. No, you know? I, and I know and it's, it's, like, a, it's, it's a it's a it's a fairly big problem. Like I, I know I've been part of other organization at Carlton also hosting events, right? Whereas we remember exactly that right. they told us, you know what? Um, inside of the school, like because you know I've been, in other hackathons that we've been to, all of us, right? You, all these events bring food from other places, right? Like they get poutine or bubble tea or even pizza, pizza right? and it, it's it's fairly easy to bring that food into into the school, right? Whereas I think for Carlton, one of the things that I've faced with other with other or, well, with other events as well is like they force you to sort of through their contract get food through Carlton, right? Like it's not as easy to get food into uh, into your event, and and that really exactly. that that's something that could really cut a lot of costs for other organizations. Exactly. So I I think like one of the hardest things about all of that is that when you know, when companies sponsor us like like whatever money that they give us, right? That money is really intended to go to the students, yeah, to help sure. the students, to help the event. And it, it, it's actually like a huge unfortunate thing that so much of that money has to go towards getting the venue and getting the food. You know, um, I, I think that like even to the point that like when it, uh, the food services even said like, oh, if you want to like bring in something of your own, you know, like go, go ahead. Right. Like it just completely waves the whole purpose of even having a contract. Like it, it, it's actually like 
I don't know how to put it in, in, in terms that would be like appropriate, but it, it's, it boggles my mind about how they can say like, oh, sign a contract and then like do the exact opposite thing on the day of. Yeah, you know? no, I, like, like at, at you, the end of the day, like you hacking, yeah. I, I, like I was saying, like it, it just brings so much value to the university, and I, I just don't, I, for the life of me, I do not understand any part of this. So I, I think that's no, just where, like where do you think where the money would be? Uh, but like for, for the people, for the people to know. Yeah, I was just gonna Sorry, say, go like, ahead. where do you think the money would be better spent, right? Because you still have a lot of like, I'm guessing, money left over, right? Would you like, like, where where would you spend the money if you, if you also like, well, if, you, if there's one, let's say, yeah, let's say, like, if there's one so, place you could, if you had more money. Uh, let's say, like, I guess it, if you had more money, yeah. like, where would you want to spend that more money? I guess, like, where do you think is like a place that uh, is kind of like underrated and you think could use more funding towards in a hackathon? Absolutely. So last year, right, going, going back to our, like, our you know, big successes conversation, right? And one of the reasons that the buses was so successful was we literally cut the price in half for anybody who wanted to take the bus. We were offering a round trip Toronto and back. Okay, go on Kijiji, find out how much a rideshare costs you. We were offering Toronto and back for like 35 or 45 bucks. That is super cheap. That's not even gas in the bus, okay? And the reason it was so cheap was because we literally paid for half the bus for all those people. And if we think of that, if we if we think that money that we spent for CEO hacking on food, right? Let's just say that was even cut by one eighth, okay? That's how big the cost of the food is. If that food cost was even cut one eighth, we could probably afford like two more buses to bring in. And that could bring in buses from like Kingston, Toronto, Montreal, anywhere, right? Like that yeah. money should really be going towards the student. Uh, and so I think that's one area that we could see. We could also see in the area of like equipment, like sometimes certain equipment that we need for CU hacking, right? Like we have to pay to rent it, right? And it's not like when people look at, oh, like CU hacking gets like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every month. Like it's, it's actually not true. Like we don't turn a huge profit every year and any money that like we somehow magically have at the end of the year, right? It just rolls over into the next year. So yeah, no, and, there's also we things a, that we, we have to pay. They do have a fairly large uh, like amount of savings that comes from every year, right? Exactly. And so there are also other things that like SEO hacking that we do have to pay for, like things like our email service, just like reach out to companies, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some of the software that we use, some of the marketing campaigns, like let's just say we had a little bit of extra money. It could go to funding things like internally. And I think that would also improve, not saying that like, like we're strapped for cash, but I'm just saying like there are other ways that money could be used, right? So um, I think looking at the food cost, like it's it's also something that you have to feed so many people. So many people have dietary restrictions. So of course that costs more money, right? And when people come to see you hacking, we don't ask them to contribute any money, no financial support like at all. Right. Like you can come to this event. You you could come from Toronto last year from Sioux Hacking, like I said, for forty five dollars, eat for free, you know, four meals, get a free place to sleep and go back to Toronto. You know, yeah. we're like, where, where else are you going to get that, to be honest? And that, that's really, it's really uh, only possible because of our sponsors, right? But, you know, it, it's it's really unfortunate that like so much of the money gets cut in by the food and supplies. But it's also like one of those things, like, what are you going to do about it? Uh, when, yeah. we, when we look at all the other universities in particular, I know there's, there's actually a group chat with all the Canadian hackathons. And this is like, this is a problem that every university faces. Um, a lot of these contracts are with multiple universities, multiple provinces. So it's, it's just one of those things. Something that's never going to stop you hacking. It's not like, oh, because we have to spend so much money on food, we're not going to do like CU hacking anymore, right? Obviously, we're just going to raise more money. I feel like at the end of the day, like the food that the food that Carlton provides, it is it, good. Like it is, it's not, it's not food that you're like, oh man, like this is real. Like it, it is, it is good food, and it's something that at the end of the day, like it I, is. Um, I mean, for the cost, for the for the cost, it's uh, it's definitely something that could could be improved. Um, I can understand that, like, okay, there's only so many dishes you can cook, but uh, to be honest. If I, 
I, like when spending that much money, I, I do have a big expectation. Yeah, for you know, sure. I remember one of even the things that like, like one of the person, one of the people were just asking questions of the food and like one of the servers like didn't even know, you know? So, I mean, if, if you're going to charge us that much money, at least come with your top game. Um, now, I, I wanted to ask something else about the, uh, the, the way C hacking is run, Andre. I think you could cover this. So, what, what is the co-lead role uh, in, part, in, in, C, in the C hacking organization? Like, what is it, how do you guys approach it and how does the organization work overall in terms of yeah. like how teams are formed? And... Yeah, so that's something that this year has been very different in comparison to last year's. The last few years, there's always, I guess, been an effort to include, uh, by default, one of the two co-leads from the computer science program and one from the engineering program, which yeah. sort of helped, I guess, cover you know bases in student engagement. But this year, one thing that's different is we're trying not to form our team entirely based on what program people are in. So mm -hmm. that was one thing that definitely hinders a student group is not being inclusive to people of different backgrounds, right? So this year we have a more, you know, a more diverse team in a lot of aspects. We've definitely yeah. have way more diverse like gender ratio and definitely also more diverse group of people in different programs, right? We have people in computer science, engineering, design, like social studies, I, marketing, business. Yeah. yeah, so it's the first thing I thought was important to do is just to make a diverse team. So we don't just have, you know, a tunnel vision focus on people that are in similar programs to ourselves, because as we know, people that may study finance or something are definitely a lot better with managing money than people in a unrelated yeah, program. Sure. And another thing that we've been doing this year is also turning it into more of a linear organizational structure. I mean, we're a team of 25, 26 people. We're not a company, right? So we're not really like, you know, a corporate organization with huge structure and everything. But we're more trying to give leadership roles to more people so that it's not just people on our team asking myself and Imran what they should do or what we should be doing. We're trying to yeah. give a lot more responsibility to different directors and team members to come up with what they would want to do with our organization and actually be able to enact change in it and do it themselves and with other people. So our focus this year has definitely been a lot more linear leadership and trying to involve a lot more people in it. In previous years, like we'd have a ton of meetings with the people that are directors who are in charge of stuff, and that information would just stay there. And yeah. the, like, the team members really didn't, obviously didn't really feel very engaged and involved in it. It was totally dependent on how you know directors were with it. So this year we're encouraging a lot more you know meetings with people from all different teams and not just having you know close off meetings for just like the people that are quote unquote in charge of teams. So yeah, no, and, and I think definitely the approach of having like the actual leaders of the teams being involved with the actual work, right, and jumping in and actually doing work rather than the that rather than the approach of delegate, 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 right? Um, yeah. And one thing you mentioned, sorry, I forgot to answer that, was like what the role of a co-lead is. So in that, Imran and I are sort of like providing the vision for the event, right? We're, or vision for the organization at this point. I can't really say for the event because we're past just yeah. being one event. And due to the COVID stuff, we're obviously not going to have 700 people in the winter show up at Carleton. That's, not, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> so it's, it's a role where we're sort of rotating between a bunch of different things. Like we each have, 
handful of teams that we're more responsible for than others and we just check in with them and make sure things are going well and initiate things and start things going in the right direction right so we're yeah in charge of making that vision for the organization and getting stuff rolling and organized and working cohesively for sure yeah no and i feel like that that, that sort of like that way of running an organization is definitely like it has helped everyone grow and, and i think i think I think we could say that for other members of the team that were previously sort of like in starting roles, you could really see them grow uh, through CU Hackney, right? Yeah, one thing that we did different this year was we had a lot less. Um, it's an interesting subject, especially with running you know, a school organization, because we're a different kind of organization than a lot of other ones. Like we're not a society where it's, you know, you can have members of it and everyone's part of it. It's very much a a group that hosts stuff and puts events on for the community. So we yeah. serve, you know, the students at the school and we ourselves are more of a small group that organize it. And the way we do that is pretty public. Like we put out application forms and a large amount of people apply. And then we picked our team members from there and then also pick members from a lot of different places that people move people from. So like on design, Omar, you and Kara, who are working on that, like she has yeah. a sibling who's also very interested in that and you know, using our connections to get people that we know to help out. And sure. it's, a, it's a good way to do things because as more we expand and see people that aren't just in a few programs, it's easier to have a bigger presence at the school and help more people out. No, we, we also get input from many different perspectives, right? Not just the uh, STEM sort of like point of view and everything. There's just one thing I want to add in that, you know, um, I think one thing that when you look at the co-leads or also like any of the directors that are on the team, you know, um, I think a really big thing to keep in mind is that like, you know, everybody's in school who's on the team, right? And everybody's still learning. And although they do have like that leadership role, you know, um, there's so much learning to be done on the team as like a person or like how to be like a, a proper leader. So um, I think that's one thing that like CEO Hacking also is like, like teaches everyone. You know, like, there's so much I've learned being in that co-lead role for like last year and now this year. Well, there's like so much I've learned also from like Rico, the previous core lead, or even Andrew now. So another topic that I wanted to cover was the importance of volunteers. I feel like many many people that go to events, like even in general, like people don't realize that the importance of volunteers and the impact that they have on the actual event, right? Because I feel like us as organizers, we put a lot of work like in the in the months up leading up to the event, right? But then during the actual event, we we really like we wish we could stay there. In, at the event for the entire 24 hours right but it's really like impossible for us like it's um and I, I feel like that's where volunteers are really really they really help a lot right absolutely i think volunteers are like one of the biggest parts of like CU hacking especially if you're saying on the day of you know um there, there's so much like planning pre-planning and even the night before like packing that goes involved in like into this event that like if we didn't have these volunteers to do things like you know greet the sponsors when they get there or show, show people where to go or like, you know, walk people across the campus, you know, like without them, we wouldn't be able to throw in such a successful event. When you have 700 people that are actually, or like six, even 600 people coming to the event, and then you look at the the whole like organizing team of 20 people, you know, that's so many, like that, that ratio of like actual like person to group of people is huge. So by having those volunteers that just come out, a lot of yeah. them stay for the whole event. Some of them even stayed overnight. Um, so I think like, like huge shout out to all the volunteers that have helped with CU Hacking over the years. Yeah, one good thing with volunteering is um, it's, I mean, not going to lie, we try to make 
CU Hacking a very accessible event and very open to people of all, you know, different experience levels and backgrounds, whatnot. But yeah, as a first year student or someone not very experienced with technology but interested in it, it can be an intimidating thing to go to, right? You're with hundreds of other people that are all seemingly very intelligent at things that you really don't understand. So a lot of yeah. volunteers I talked to were there because they didn't quite feel comfortable yet with participating in the event, mm -hmm. but they wanted to still be involved in a certain way. And that's a really important thing to think to enable in our community too. Like we're not gonna force everyone to do one way of doing things. Some people really value going and competing and building an app and networking and all that stuff. Whereas a lot of other people that came and helped just enjoy helping out with things and being part of a community and also being on that organization side of things. So it's a, it's a good opportunity to present people. And yeah, our volunteers are definitely quite busy on the day of, especially when there are so many people and so many different tasks to do. It doesn't seem like there's a lot to do, but there's there always go. <laughs> stuff going on. And, and just to wrap up on a little bit on you hacking. So what, what, what is one thing that you guys want uh, hackers that, are, that go to a hackathon to get from the hackathon? Okay. Um, I think, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that like, you know, we could share with like all, like all the CU hacking people when they come or like, you know, the people who are looking to come to CU hacking in the beginning, in the first year, like for the first time this year, you know, is that like, this is the perfect time to meet people in your program. I remember when I started computer science, I was like the most absolute antisocial, like didn't know how to meet new people person ever. Right. And I think like th this is literally a way that you're going to meet everyone in your program. I think people in computer science are super open. They're super like collaborative and everybody who is like in or most people in computer science, like they they all have this like really good techie background that yeah. somehow everybody's able to like join in, you know, and have that mutual connection of tech and then they build like friendships from there. Right. Yeah. So like. I think that like, you know, when, when you first start university in first year, you have events like Frosh Week, you have events like uh, EngFest or um, there's all, or EngWide, right? And then there's also Expo, right? And I think coming to see you hacking is like, you're going to get a little bit of, you're going to get a little bit of all that because you're going to get all those different students. You're going to meet so many people and you're also going to realize like your strengths. I think that like, there's so many new fields that are coming up in the tech sector. Like if you look yeah. at, for example, like data science, right? Like this year at CU Hacking, there were actually three different data science challenges. There was the murder mystery. There was something with using uh, RBC's tweets to generate like uh, how people are feeling about the company online. I think one other company also had a data science challenge, right? So that it's also ways to to get into new fields, and you're you're just going to meet so many people. Together. Yeah, and so it's uh, like it's really such a great way to like if you want to try something new, just do it for one weekend, and if you don't like it, then that's it. If you like it, you can go ahead and go exactly. deep dive into it, right? And exactly. I feel like another thing that you mentioned is that hackathons are really a very social time. Like as, as Simran mentioned, like a lot of the time isn't actually spent. Like it's not, not everyone is sitting on their computer in their computers for 24 hours, right? Like it's really not like that. And many people actually just go for having fun to meet people. So I, I feel like that's a great point. Like we have, like we have a freaking meme channel, to be honest, you know, <laughs> and some people just post memes all day. And you know what? That's great. It, it puts such a big smile on my face seeing all those people like enjoying the event that we've worked so hard to make, you know, like yeah. imagine going into a degree and realizing like after three years that like, ah, oh, this isn't even what you wanted to be in. Well, maybe if you went to see hacking in the beginning, you would have seen what it's like to be a programmer, you know, you've seen what it's like to stay up 24 hours and actually do some coding, you know? So yeah. I, I think that like it, it actually, it, it opens your eyes to so many things, you know, 
I, I think when you go into computer science, there's so many different fields to go in. You could go into like straight programming. You could be like full stack. You could be in algorithms. You could be in like design. You could be in like UX, UI. You could be in anything. And at, at, at an event like this or hackathons in general, you get to try anything. Like if you went to a whole season of hackathons, you could probably try out every different, you know, like no, little field or sector. That is very true. So um, what, what about you? Yeah. So as Imran mentioned, like the main goal of people coming to a hackathon, I think, is just learning something or improving something that they themselves want to actually do or find something new that they value from it. So yeah, we host tons of different things. We have workshops, challenges, just fun activities, everything like that. So there's a wide variety of things for people to do. And we try to cover as many bases as possible in terms of things that people can get out of the event, right? So we'll have, you know, fourth year students, people that are about to graduate that may come to the event looking for potential future employment. You might have first years coming to just learn how to make a basic website with HTML and whatnot. So yeah. I think the biggest thing for the event is just making sure that everyone is able to find something new and something that is interesting to them and pursue that over the course of a weekend. And I think our a big focus for me anyway last year was ensuring that people that were new to these sort of events were also able to find a place there. Like we had about 60% of our people in 2019 were first timers at hackathons. So mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity to show them that there's a huge community of people that are interested in a lot of the same things that they are. And I think it's also a good opportunity for people that don't have a lot of, of exposure to the, you know, the computer science and engineering and tech industry as a whole. It's, it's no, really like, good uh... for a lot of people to see, you know, that just because you don't know something yet doesn't mean you can't learn how to do it. And also a lot of people feel like their skills aren't up to par with other people, but slowly realizing that at hackathons like this, there are so many different technologies and things that you can yeah. do that there's it's impossible to be an expert at everything. So it helps people find sort of a good comfort zone with knowing that they can become who they want to be. And, and I feel like especially with high school students, I, like, I, I think uh, we, we actually got a fairly large amount of high school students coming, coming in this year, right? And I feel like one thing that people don't realize is that every year there's more and more high school students pushing into the tech industry earlier, right? Which is uh, like it, it's it's yeah. it's pretty big, right? Like if you think about it, like looking up, looking back when when I when I knew like upper years that when we, when I was in first year, my upper years, right? They started a lot of them started coding in first year of university, right? Whereas like now you're seeing people that started coding in grade nine, grade eight, right? And it's like I think we had a we had two hackers that were from middle school, right? I, I think uh, like I I was judging the parks and one of them were two two girls from middle school, right? Which is like it's just mind like it's That's just mind blowing to me. Actually, like just to touch on that, like the, those two girls that you saw at CU Hacking, they actually came to our local hack day that we had right before, you know, the big CU Hacking. And I remember they, they were like, they were in like our top three. And, you know, those two people, they were super, super talented. And like, you know, to have those kinds of skills that like literally some first years only get first year to having grade eight, like those people are going to go so far, you know, and it's, yeah. it's so good on them for putting that initiative. Like, honestly, when, when you look at it, imagine like, imagine how nervous they must be or like, you know, the kinds of feelings that they, they're, they're probably feeling, you know, going up against like, you know, first year, second year, third year, fourth year, or even grad students at CU Hacking and you're only grade eight, but you're also outbeating all the competition. You know, that, it must be like really good for them, super for good sure. exposure. 
And, you know, we, we really want to encourage more and more high school students to come. I think like this is like this is a way to kind of get, get your foot yeah. in the door. Now, now you talk about getting your foot in the door. Like I think Paris and I can definitely like get, get, get a little bit into this. So um, one thing, many things that we've gotten out of Habits and Friends, especially me, is the fact that it really shows you that really working uh, like in actual work in, in your workplace is very different from working at school in computer science. And that, that's one thing that has shown me a lot that like, Really, in, in your actual workplace, you're learning a lot. You're literally working on new things every every set of months, every two months, every three months, right? So I feel like mm-hmm. that, that personally, that's one thing that I've gotten from hackathons, where like it really shows you that it, it's very different. And there's literally a, a whole world of opportunities outside of just school. Like the, the computer science degree exactly. isn't just go go get your good grades, go get your A's. And then you're set. Like you actually have to do There's a lot more that you have to do outside of school yes. in order to achieve certain things, right? Well, like what do you think, Chris? Yeah, like the the, th- the biggest thing I found with hackathons in general is just like the networking of like meeting new people. Like I've met lots of like new people who, who I guess like, I don't know, like inspired me to like, I don't know, like improve. Like I, I'll talk to someone and they'll tell me about like how uh, even like during a hackathon, I was struggling with something very simple. Like uh, my first few hacking, I was even struggling to just get like a, HTTP request going right so like stuff like that when you're working on a project and you're you're like struggling and you're losing motivation and like someone gives you like some help and they they motivate you it just like I feel like it's like a it's like a really good experience to to get especially early uh in your career when you're like getting some like doubts when you doubt yourself no, and, and especially when it comes to sponsorship like talking to sponsors and recruiters it, it really could have a huge impact in your career like I, I was thankful enough to get my first club job through a hackathon interview right and i think there's many people i think one, one company that's you hacking actually offer interviews right for people that completed their challenge mm-hmm. yeah so like it, it really has a huge impact on like on on the future of people's careers right all right so i think that pretty much concludes everything that i wanted to talk about for you hacking is there anything that you want that you like to add about you hacking or the team imran or Andy? i think uh if there's anything that we could add just to end off is uh, definitely keep an eye out for what we have coming this year. It's going to be super new, super innovative. And I think that like, uh, this is something that like we've never tried before. So also be patient with us, you know, when we start, when we start our new events. Um, but we're really hoping to, you know, throw something really good because of circumstances and make the most of the online presence that we have now. So I'm really excited for what, uh, what the year ahead looks like for us. Yeah, definitely. And, Check guys, uh, check out cuhagen.com. Well, that site will be updated continued with throughout the year, and that's where you'll be able to find our upcoming events. And th- yeah, thank you guys very much for tuning in for this episode. Thank you guys yeah, for it was coming. It's a pleasure having you guys. Thanks, Omar. Thanks, Omar, for having yeah, thanks, us. Thanks, guys. And see you guys in the next one. Bye.